Hi there, just a quick message before we get started. As we move forward with the podcast, we would like to give you the opportunity to participate in various challenges that are exciting and affordable. This month, we are offering a 21-day meetings challenge that gives you all the key tools that you need to participate at a higher level in your English meetings, such as agreeing, clarifying, disagreeing, making suggestions, and interrupting. All the essential stuff. So if you're interested in getting to the next level with your English meetings, click the link in the show notes and sign up free to the waitlist. The link will only be available until the 27th of May. So make sure you don't miss out. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 8 of the Transforma tu Inglés Profesional podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Smith. Today, I will be talking with Alistair, an amazing coach from my team, all about whether you should really be trying to stop translating in your brain, why it is important to understand how your brain works, the differences between the conscious and the subconscious brain, some key metaphors so that your process of making yourself more fluent is understandable, how many times you need to use a word before it moves from one part of the brain to another, and some ways to get some practice so that you can move more vocabulary into your subconscious brain. This podcast is aimed at helping you push your business English communication skills to the next level so that you can grow professionally and achieve your international career goals. So, without further ado, let's get straight into it. Enjoy! Hi everyone, today we're going to be talking about a very, very interesting subject, which is all about the idea of translating in your head. Now, I sent an email out a few weeks ago about this particular subject, and we got a huge amount of response to that particular email. So we definitely thought that we should do a podcast or episode about this particular. So as usual, I'm here with Alistair. Hi, Alistair. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? Very well. Very well. Good. Yes. So what we decided to do was we would uh, just talk a little bit about this whole idea of translation, because a lot of uh, people who are kind of trying to learn English as their first foreign language have this idea that they should kind of try to stop translating in their mind or that the translation itself is a, a particular problem, right? And so that's what we kind of wanted to talk about and kind of see if we can give some sort of guidance, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a common complaint or comment from, from clients, from students that people say, oh, my problem is that I have to translate and this means it slows me down. I have to think too much. And they, they said the reason they're not, they don't have better fluency or they don't feel confident speaking is because of translation. Like this is the problem. If they could only not translate and just think in English, everything will be okay and they'll be much more fluent. Now, is this the case, Daniel? This 
Would yeah. you agree with that? Well, I mean, this is this is the key issue, and I think that this is where people, when they when they talk about that idea, probably just need to reorientate the way they where they're thinking about it, right? Because in a way, what they're trying to do is kind of distance themselves from the whole translation process mm-hmm. because they identifying that as the problem, right? But in fact, maybe they just need to think about it in a little uh, a bit in a different way. Yes, mm-hmm. because if if in fact they realized that in fact the translation process in itself is not necessarily the problem but in fact it's just that the translation process is too slow and that it's not efficient enough uh, mm. or not automatic enough this is uh, the, the word that- the key yes. word, automatic. No? That's right, automatic. Absolutely, yes. So if yeah. it became more automatic, then then suddenly it would be it wouldn't become such a problem. But the pro- the the issue is that at that particular moment, they kind of still see the translation process as being the key, yeah, barrier to them becoming fluent, right? Yeah, because it's not automatic. Um, exactly. When you obviously have a lower level, it's your consciously, this is the word, consciously, subconsciously, you're consciously translating. And obviously, if you're in a com- if you're in a, a meeting, in a business meeting, or any situation you have to converse in English with somebody else, if you've got to stop and think in your head and translate, oh, how do I say this in English, this word? So you're consciously translating, then obviously by the time you think of the word or the phrase you need, the conversation has moved on and the people are talking about something else and it's too late. And this is the problem where people get frustrated no, with their level of English, like, oh, I'm not quick enough. I have to translate. It slows me down. I can't keep up with the conversation. And yes, that is a problem. And it you could say it is a problem of translation, but it's not. it's not the fact you're translating. Because all language, effectively, in the end, when you speak another language, you are translating from your first language to your second language. You need to know that the word mesa is table. Hmm. The, problem, the the trick, if you like, is is how fast are you able to, can you, do you just know that mesa is table? You don't need to consciously think about it. Yeah. This is the question is how fast, if you like, or how automatic is that translation process? That's the key thing. Yes, exactly. So with, in the end, what we're talking about is that we shouldn't be uh, pushing translation away. We should mm. just be getting better at it and faster at it and more efficient at it, right? And, exactly. And, th- and, th- yeah. and then there we, we, we will start to kind of just, it, as you said, just become more automatic. But to understand this whole process, it's important to kind of identify that the, the, actual, the brain, of course, is extremely complex, to, but to make mm-hmm. it as simple as possible in this particular context, we can say that the brain has two main parts to it, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, and one is the conscious memory and the other one is the subconscious memory, okay? Yeah, and this is important. Is, yeah, absolutely vital. And so as as we were trying to say before, right, if you are a little bit, you, it's a bit difficult for you to translate certain uh, words or expressions, then your your brain is still working in that conscious element and there's no, it's not it's not very fast and so it really kind of takes you a long time to access that information whereas if you've translated a lot you've done it many times it kind of that information trans transfers itself over mm-hmm. to the subconscious brain right which is much much faster and a good metaphor for people to think of it in, in in a certain way is the idea of a computer right so if you have a computer there are different parts to the computer and one part is a hard disk for example and the other is the ram okay now a mm-hmm. hard disk the information 
Hi there, just a very quick interruption. Hopefully you're able to understand everything in this episode, but if you need a little extra help, then you can download the transcript totally free and read along as we speak. If you're interested, just go to the show notes and find the link. Now let's get back to the show. From the hard disk takes a lot, much, much longer time to to access that information. Takes quite a few. It's, it's quick, but it's not very quick. So, so that's that's what you would potentially say is a, is a type of conscious memory. But it takes time to access it. But the RAM, on the other hand, is very fast to access that particular memory. It's always there Im- immediately. So that's where we kind of want to move the your your English abilities and your English skills is to that subconscious element of your brain right yeah indeed well thank you for explaining because i know nothing about it <laughs> about computers so i didn't understand the difference between those two but yes it's it's a way it's an analogy from the computer to the way your brain works which is a kind of computer effectively no organic yeah. computer and you're right you have two two types of memory that you can access your conscious and subconscious and this is the key element no in translating how yeah. Where, where where do you have that word for that object? Is it which memory? It's in the conscious or the subconscious? Exactly. And exactly I think you right. gave in the, I believe in the email you sent out to people, you gave a, a good example, no? Of, apart from the computer, another analogy of the way we learn to do something and whether it's automatic well conscious or subconscious yes yes that this, this was obviously uh, yeah kind of the idea of uh, learning how to drive and certainly mm. uh, when i was learning how to drive i had to think of everything right and like everybody else does when you're starting and you're, yeah, you're it's taking, terrifying yeah your first, do you remember your first lesson <laughs> yeah and i didn't like it much i have to say no. i didn't like it you at think all. i'll never be able to do this it's impossible. that's right how, how that's do right. people drive that's it's, right yeah, it seems completely impossible. <laughs> it does. It does. And so obviously you're thinking about all of those different things, right? You're thinking, and of course, these were these words are all related to the car. So obviously the changing your gear, looking at the mirrors, pressing the clutch, all those mm-hmm. different things you literally consciously have to think about. And you think, how can I do all of this? And at the same time, I don't know, speak to to speak to the person <laughs> who's next to me Listen when, to when the they're radio. Oh, yeah, or whatever. Look look at the road, look where you're going, think about directions. So yeah, so many things you have to do at exactly the same time, all those different steps. And at the beginning in your first few lessons, you have to think about each one consciously, know each step of changing gear, looking in the mirror, checking the road, steering the steering wheel in the right. That I remember my first class, I couldn't believe it. It, it seems so easy when you see people driving, you, say, yeah. well, you just hold the wheel <laughs> yeah. and you just turn it left or right. But in fact, I remember being so difficult to actually get the car to go in the direction because you're not sure what proportion you need to turn to uh-huh. get the effect of how much you turn left or right. Sure. So I don't know if it happened to you, but my very first class, just the most basic thing of actually, we say to steer, no, yeah. steering the car, directing the car yeah. was so difficult. And that's just one thing. And then you've got three pedals yeah. you have to control, no, and yeah. change yeah, the yeah. gear and looking in the mirrors. Well, a nightmare. <laughs> it, th- th- I mean, it's incredible to be honest to to to, to think about all of those things that you have to think about when you're mm. driving. But then let's take that mm. process, what we what mm-hmm. we do, and then of course we practice and we get better and better, uh, and then we take the test, we pass the test, and then mm. we kind of, in many cases, a lot of us kind of drive on a daily basis, and we kind of get better and better, and it becomes and it moves 
those all those skills move mm. from the conscious brain to the subconscious brain and so then suddenly we can drive doing all these mm. different complex things without thinking about it consciously exactly yeah mm. yeah and in fact we can even do that and do something else at the same time like speaking to the to the the person next to you the or passenger or listen to or, the radio or, or a podcast whatever. this yes. podcast in fact there yes. will be people no doubt listening to our podcast, I hope, whilst driving to work in the morning, for example. So think of all the things you're doing to drive the car, uh, which seemed almost impossible that you could possibly do them when you first started learning. And now you're doing them without thinking, and you're listening to us speaking in English at the same time. Which exactly. is quite incredible. It's a miracle when you think about it, what it the is. brain is capable of. It is, it is. And we kind of thought of a few other examples as well, right? Mm. I mean, the one, one in particular was the whole idea of playing an instrument as well, right? Mm, yes. So, I mean, I learned to play, I play the guitar. And yes, when I started having guitar lessons when I was 11, I think, 12, it's again, like driving the car. It's like, man, this is so difficult. Now you have to consciously look at your hand, position your fingers to get the right notes on the strings and very, very slowly change the position of the fingers, the hands to play the particular chord. And you think, oh, how is this possible to do this? Uh, so you're, each step you're having to consciously think about exactly what you're doing. But obviously, again, like everything else, you practice, you practice, you repeat, and finally you end up at some point, obviously it takes, depends on the person, how fast each person will be different, but after a period of time, a few months, you can play those chords without even thinking. You don't even need to look at your hand. So, you, I mean, you can be singing a song. So you're looking at the audience, if you're performing in a band, looking at the audience, singing, thinking about the words you need to sing, and you're not even thinking about playing the guitar. You're not even looking at the position of your hand on the neck of the guitar. So it's completely automated. It's an automatic subconscious process. Like driving right? a car. Like driving a car. Yeah. And other examples that we also thought about was the whole idea of typing on a computer, for example. Mm, yes. uh, initially... Which I'm still very, I don't think that has passed into my subconscious memory. <laughs> I'm still quite consciously looking and with one finger. Not quite that bad, but I've never quite developed that skill to be something automatic. Yeah, okay. and you, I don't know, Daniel. You quick at typing? I'm not too bad. I wouldn't say that I'm one. One like you see in films, you know, some some yeah. people who are absolutely amazing at typing. I'm not like that, but certainly I don't have to look for any individual keys, let's say. And so, yeah, it's not too bad. But I think so you can could, could you can better. look at the screen at what you're writing without looking at your hands, more or less. More or less, Depends, yes, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, more or less, but I still don't, I think it could be improved. That's for sure. Mm. But also, I, again, it's all to do with how much you really do it, right? So I type quite a lot, quite mm. a lot of emails and different things like that. So in that way, you know, when you get more practice, then yeah, of course quicker. you move, you move more of that information to your subconscious brain, right? So, so that in that way, it's not too bad, but as I say, it could be improved. But there mm. is also like when we're talking, going back to the example of driving, there are moments where you notice this automation, right? And you notice uh, when uh, there's something changes and you kind of go back to your conscious brain. And a good example of that, and probably this has happened to you and you can tell me whether this is the truth or not, is that, for example, both of us, we live in Spain, but often, often we go back to the UK. And then, of course, uh, you have to drive on the other side of the road and you might mm. even be driving a British car, for example. Yes. 
Mm. And then so suddenly there are some changes there and you have to start literally consciously thinking about how you would actually drive the car again. So that's kind of where you notice that you it takes a bit of time to adapt to something that's changed. But then after a few days of driving in the UK, that then also moves over to the, your conscious, uh, subconscious uh, sort of memory and, uh, yeah, and skill set. Exactly. So we've, both of us, obviously living here in Spain for many years, we, we've got used to driving on the right, and that's become a, passed into our subconscious. No, we don't need to think about it. It's normal. It's natural. But then, yeah, you have the shock. You go back to the UK and you hire or rent a car for a week or a few days. And, yeah, the first few, depends, few hours or first day, it feels very strange. And you have to readjust um, and relearn. It's not as bad as when you first start driving a car. So you still know how to drive the car and all the basic elements that you need to do. But yeah, obviously driving on the other side of the road is is different. The perspective is different. If you're driving a British car, the steering wheel is on the other side. So yeah, it's almost like relearning. Well, as you say, you're you're passing those basic steps that you have to do suddenly become conscious or some of them, no? And you're yeah. passing from your subconscious memory back into your conscious and it can be quite not scary exactly, but you're a little nervous no? when you pick up the car at the airport, for example, yeah. those first few hours of driving, it can be a little bit, yeah, you're consciously having to think about what you're doing, which yeah. is strange because you've been used to driving, not thinking. That's and you I probably think. wouldn't listen to the radio or podcast or be chatting to the passenger because you need to concentrate exactly. at least for the first few hours or you, you do readapt quite quickly. Probably I find by the next day, the second day, yeah. I'm fine. I've, my brain has readjusted to, and it's become an automatic process again. Yeah. 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 I don't know about you, how. Yeah. It's, uh, no, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it is quite quick. And certainly uh, if you've had experience in, in, in the UK before in terms of driving, then of course it's going to yeah. be relatively I mean, we learned quick. to drive in the UK. Yeah. So I yeah. suppose yeah. that's where you're, you've got this memory of yeah. that that comes back into play, you know, after yeah. a few few hours or the first day perhaps yeah and so taking all of that information into consideration right where we've got the two parts of the brain and we're mm. kind of saying that okay we shouldn't move away from translations we should essentially just get better at it we should mm -hmm. make it, we should make that whole process much more subconscious right so that that translation doesn't get in the way of our communication and our communication mm -hmm. skills right exactly. but a lot of our listeners are going to be actually going to be asking us okay how how can I make my English get go more from that sort of conscious brain to subconscious mm -hmm. brain? And and there is some research about this, isn't there? I yeah, think, yeah. Stuff. I think we've seen that there've been psychologists. Psych I was going to say psychiatrists, but psychologists is the word. Have mm -hmm. yes done studies on this, and they they've calculated that you need to use a new word or a new phrase actively, whether that's writing it down. Right, using in emails, speaking is the most obvious, using that word in conversation seven times or approximately seven times. And then it will pass from your subconscious. What, what was the computer analogy? Oh, it will from go, go from your hard disk to your RAM or basically from your conscious memory to your subconscious memory. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And then you don't need to think about that word or the phrase. You just know it without, it's automatic like driving. So it's a question of practice, no one using new words, new vocabulary, writing it down, reading it, using it, speaking, exactly. writing it in emails. And they say, I don't know if it's true, seven times. Obviously it will vary from person to person, but yeah. approximately seven times using a new word or a new expression 
uh, and then you will remember it. It will pass into your subconscious memory. No? Yeah. And you exactly don't need right. to think about it anymore. You just know it. That's right. That's right. Exactly right. And so that is the the process. That is that is the secret. Let's say it's it, mm-hmm. the secret is not to to move or push translation as a process away. No, it's actually to get closer to that process, to get better at it, and to actually have a, you know really practice it more, not less. So yeah. that's I think that's an important sort of psychological approach, and uh, that that people need to take into consideration because otherwise there may be that whole process of thinking about no that's not what i want to do i don't want to translate because that's what i want to get away from but no it's actually we want to move towards that translation process we want to get better at it we want to use those words that we that are new for us we richly want to use them again and again and again every time thinking mm. about that translation to the point that maybe we've used it seven times or how many of the times it, it, it takes, is it it takes to the point that it becomes completely, completely automatic, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so you don't that's... need to think about it. It's like, well, like we've experienced learning Spanish. So we've been through that process. Yeah. So we appreciate that at the beginning it's difficult and you are slowly, consciously translating in your head and you're slow when you speak, you're not very fluent. Uh, but with time and practice, you get better and better. And at some point you, you can speak without thinking. Um, yeah. So, I mean... If, if I want to say I am 59 years old, I've just given away my age. I, I don't need to think. I know that in, in English it's I am with a verb to be 59 yeah. years old. And if yeah. I say it in Spanish is tengo 59 años. Yeah, so, I mean, claro. I know that one thing equates to the other. Yeah. So that is translate. I mean, I'm translating. It's a yes. translation because yeah. you can't avoid translating. Otherwise, you can't speak another language if you don't know the words, how to say that expression. Yeah. So I know in Spanish is the verb tener, that you have years. And this is a common mistake of low people with low level or even sometimes higher level. Yeah, because that mistake can come in many, many different so levels. Common, right? Yeah, yeah. They say, even, I even, have 59 years. Yeah, back no. in intermediate, mm. intermediate mm. people yeah. with an intermediate level sometimes make that mistake. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And really, it's like you, you should just know that in English, you say it like this and in Spanish, like this. Exactly. And you have those two phrases or sentences or in your brain at the same time and you don't need to think about it so if you want to you're speaking in spanish if i'm speaking in spanish i say tengo 59 años and i'm speaking in english i am 59 years old i don't need to consciously stop and think about it and obviously that extrapolates then into you know many many phrases and words and vocabulary obviously you have to accumulate a, a large knowledge of those things to then speak the language quite fluently with a good vocabulary yeah. but it's the same process it is as you say passing those using those words or phrases regularly writing them speaking and then it will for everyone we all have the same brains maybe it takes a bit longer for some people more than others those things will pass from your subconscious memory to your con sorry the other way around conscious exactly. memory to your subconscious memory exactly yes exactly right it's not yes. that you stop translating This That's is the right. problem people think. Is that, no, you're still translating, just you can do it so much quicker, no? Exactly right. You don't right. even yes. notice you're doing it. Yeah. And so so next time maybe you see somebody who is speaking English at your company, right? And you and and you say, "Wow, they are they are speaking so fast, so fluently." And what you might think in your mind, you might say, "Well, 
for sure they are not translating you know they 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 are using a different process but actually mm-hmm. the starting point for that individual even though they're super fluent now was translation um, no, the same as everyone like the beginning. same as anyone the only difference is is that they've done it so often and so frequently that it's mm-hmm. gone into their subconscious memory all of these different phrases and expressions and it looks like they are not translating and they partly because they've got immediate access to all of these different words and expressions right mm-hmm. so in 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 actual really in the end it kind of looks like they they are not translating but the process that got them there in the first place is just translating more and more and a higher higher frequency you know yeah, so it's exactly. that that is the way that they've got there it's not yeah, that and you, yeah and even that person who appears to be well no they are very fluent in the language and speak very well, very quickly or quickly in a normal way. They still have to learn new things. So there'll still be new words, new phrases they don't know. Going back to the first episode of our podcast, to go pear-shaped, I'm sure lots of people, very high levels of English, very fluent, didn't know that expression. It's not. So you have to learn it. You have to use it, write it down, try to say it as many times as you can. And finally, at a certain point, maybe seven times, according to the psychologist, yeah. you'll have that in your subconscious memory and you can use it in a, in a conversation without thinking. You're yeah. not translating it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you just know it, no? the same yeah. as any other word. or So yeah, it's just a question of practice. Well, we had some actually comments from on this subject. Uh, so for example, Monica said, what kind of exercises can we do on a daily basis to train this English skill in our brain? So this process we're talking about, no? Yeah. Because uh, we don't always have the opportunity to talk to a real, to a, another person. Yeah. Some people do, some people don't. Now, another another person sent us an email, Guadalupe, and she said what she does is she talks to herself. So she tries to express an idea or a concept and she keeps practicing until the phrases come naturally without thinking, which is exactly what we've been saying. No? Yeah. And she exactly. says, practice makes perfect. Exactly, that very famous expression. Um, So there are ways that even if you're alone and you don't have somebody to practice English with, that you can still practice, for example, talking to yourself in the mirror Mm -hmm. in the morning when you're brushing your teeth. Mm -hmm. You can be thinking, well, when you stop brushing your teeth because you can't speak, but at that point, look at yourself in the mirror um, and say to yourself out loud, what am I going to, what am I doing today? What are my plans? And you can practice your future tenses. No, And at the end of the day, brushing your teeth before you go to bed, looking in the mirror, say, what did I do today? Or what have I done? Yes. So you can practice your past tenses out loud, speaking to yourself, just yeah. as an example. No? Yeah. yeah. Do you have any a- other ideas of how people can practice even when they don't have somebody to practice with? Yeah. I mean, it's uh, obviously ideal and maybe more interesting if you can practice with someone that is that is that is that is true that is true without a doubt but it is so true that also that often cannot be the case and uh, for therefore it's important to have different strategies right and there are a few more for example you can also read out loud which is kind of something that is uh beneficial i think it's something Mm -hmm. that children do obviously when they're young children Mm. often read out loud and then we kind of get rid of that particular process right we kind of start reading out loud when we're children children when we're learning a language but then we we don't do that later on as adults but actually reading out loud does really have a lot of benefits because you actually have to pronounce those words as well and uh, when you actually pronounce them you can often 
notice a little bit more if there's any pronunciation mistakes or anything like that. So, so that yeah. is a really good process. Also gives you a lot of access to, to different types of vocabulary, maybe words that you don't know. So yeah. reading out loud is a really powerful way of, of, of kind of like, yeah, getting yeah. more words into that subconscious memory. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are various, another one that I heard somebody suggest is when you when you're walking in the street or walking in a park talk again talk to yourself it could be in your head or you could even speak out loud uh, and describe what you're seeing so you're walking through the park and you can be describing there is a man riding a bike there are some children playing football you know what am i looking at what am i seeing describe what you're what you're seeing when you're walking in the street and someone said uh, don't even worry about speaking out loud because these days you know, 20 years ago, people would have thought you were crazy. Um, there's an expression, is it the first speaking to yourself is the first sign of madness, I think. Is <laughs> yeah, the expression. that is the expression, yeah. But these days, yeah. we're used to it because people are talking on their mobile phones with their earphones, which can still, for me, be slightly, somebody's walking past and you think they're talking to themselves and yeah. then you realize they're obviously speaking on their phone. Yeah. So we've got used to that. So this person suggested, put your earphones in, even though you're not speaking on your phone, talk to yourself describing what you're seeing and people will just nobody will take any notice they'll ignore you they'll just think you're talking on the phone so it's not a strange thing to do anymore no yeah so there's another method of uh, practicing speaking and using vocabulary even when you haven't got another person to to communicate with yeah recording yourself can be also a powerful way of doing ah, yes, it it's another one. it adds a little bit more of pressure and i think that sometimes that is mm. actually good when you record yourself you kind of you kind of you go into a, a different pressurized yes. now, like, i've got to get yeah. it right and... yes yes and that is actually good because often that pressure is a similar to pre pressure that you would feel when you're making a presentation for example mm. and so like when you add that little bit of pressure often your performance will go down a little bit but mm. if you kind of get used to that pressure that's the then, reality Often that's the reality of it right it's the pressure of having to perform in a meeting mm. having to perform in front of an audience and so yeah recording yourself even if you just send it as a whatsapp message to yes, a friend a or if you're you know that that can really be very helpful also the under, the other interesting thing there is is that you know you might send it to somebody and then afterwards just listen to yourself again and i think that you kind of like pick up a lot of kind of mm. good feedback just from listening to yourself in those processes so yeah, i'll hear your mistakes or your yeah pronunciation and correct yourself or use a friend if you have a friend or a member of your family who also speaks english and is trying to needs needs and wants to practice and improve their english you could set up you, you could send each other yeah better rather than text messages writing send each other audio messages short ones and then each of you can you can give feedback on the messages and they'll say oh yes it was good or i think you made a mistake with this or the pronunciation yeah that's another yeah. way of practicing no? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. A few ideas in terms of transferring your kind of knowledge more from your con the conscious side of your brain to the subconscious side mm -hmm. of your brain so that you that you kind of like everything becomes more automated, although the process itself is still translation, it just becomes absolutely immediately accessible to you. And so that, you, you know, the way that you communicate yeah. just becomes much, much more fluent, right? That's the trick, like yeah. learning to play an instrument or driving a car. Finally, yeah. learning a language is very similar. Exactly. So there you go. Thanks a lot, Alistair, for yeah, spending time you. with with me today. So yeah, we will As see. Always. Yeah, we will see <laughs> each other again next week, and we'll go from there. All right. Thanks okay. a lot. Bye. Cheers. All right. See you then. Bye bye. See you.